0: You are now listening to Monday Madness Sports Talk, your award-winning show from Harper College Radio and Radio and Sports. Now bringing the old school action to you as a podcast, hosted every Monday on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite podcast. Now, let's get it started with today's episode of Monday Madness Sports Talk with yours truly, Noah Festenstein. Sports talk. My name is Noah Festenstein, your host of the program, starting the week off rush, talking latest in the world of sports. This is episode 177, ranging from Hartford College Radio and Radio to Sports, recording on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts from the basement of my house here in Arlington Heights, Illinois. Here we go with another episode of Sports Talk on July 27th, 2020. So let's get it going today. A lot to discuss in baseball, some hockey, some basketball of course, and of course UFC and MMA to get through here on the 177th edition of Monday Mass Sports Talk. So, yeah, welcome back. Uh, I didn't do a show last week. Um, I was kind of testing out uh, how I want to format the schedule of the show, whether I want to do it every week or every other week. Uh, but when I do it every other week, it feels like I, I've i been waiting too long for Sports Talk. Like, it feels like I miss content. Like last week, you know, we had the anticipation of the baseball season uh, to start, which, of course, started this past Thursday, and uh, the rest of the team started on Friday. So, a lot of exciting baseball stuff to discuss here on the program today, and other stuff that revolve around um, anticipating the hockey playoffs to start, I believe, this Saturday, at least for the Blackhawks. And then, NBA action has been played in exhibition um, style, and uh, I guess it's just really, really, really helping our. Um, Hangover from sports Just having sports Doesn't matter if if it's exhibition or whatever But uh, nice to have that back And we're going to have three sports going on In August Which I haven't seen in a very long time Or ever in my lifetime If I may say Uh, So just that in itself is very exciting Because you don't find basketball or hockey being played in August or early September. So a lot to look forward to in this month of August. Uh, hopefully if of course the coronavirus pandemic stays at bay. And people of course follow protocols. In order to make sure that the spread doesn't continue. Um, but I also want to maybe talk about that for a little bit. Um, aside from sports of course. Because the bigger picture is um, with what, is what's going on in our world. And we can never forget about that. So let's. Just start it up. So yeah, and remember, it's is only on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Um, so that means there's not going to be a necessarily commercial break. Um, but this actually reminds me: uh, if you know me personally, or you listen to the show on a frequent basis, and you have a PSA about whatever um, you know you do in, in terms of marketing. Everything, talk to me. Uh, You can follow me on Instagram, at NFESTIE97. That's at NFESTIE97. That's NFESTIE97. You can DM me on there or on Twitter as nfesty 97 It's different on Twitter. It's with a Y instead of an IE. It's a long story. I don't want to get into it. But what I do want to get into is some sports talk, so let's get to it right here, right now, on the 177th edition of Money Mad Sports Talk. And I'll be back in about five seconds, so stick around. Contreras launches, and it will get way out of here. Back of the bleachers for Willie, and it's six to one. are 2-1 to start the season up against those wretched brew crew up north, otherwise known as Wrigley North, of course. Big series win to start off the year. The first series win for the Cubs since they did it against the St. Louis Cardinals as defending World Series champs in 2017. So, nonetheless, a very... Good sign for our Cubbies here in the north side of Chicago. Welcome back to Money Mass Sports Talk. This is the 177th edition of Such. And before I move any further, I just want to thank MLB.com for the audio I presented here in this segment. That was, of course, Willie. Willie Contreras going deep. And he wasn't the only one who went deep in yesterday's ballgame. He uh, was also complimented by Anthony Rizzo, Ian Happ, and the day before in the Cubs' lost. Kyle Schreiber went deep, so that was a good sign, and you also had, so Ian Happ homer twice in the series, so that's good news, and uh, also Rizzo homer twice uh, as well, so good signs from the bats that you want to see perform, except for one batter, and that is, of course, Chris Bryant, uh, which... You always kind of get a little heart attack as a Cubs fan seeing Chris Bryant go cold, especially to start the season. He's one for fourteen, and his one hit came in yesterday's ball game after going oh and oh twelve to start the season. He had a bloop single um, in yesterday's ball game, but that's it. However, the Cubs are now going to Cincinnati. They have a game tonight. Literally, as I'm speaking right now, they're 15 minutes away from first pitch. So, that is something interesting to look forward to after this show concludes. Is watching that ball game tonight? We got John Lester hitting the bump for the first time this season. So, I'm very much looking forward to that. But up against a Reds team who looked pretty promising this year, more promising than last year, uh, with now a Mike Moustakis on the team. So, that's um, one he- heavy. Um, Power bats in the lineup that now pitchers have to worry about here in the Central Division. Um, Also, they got Sonny Gray, who pitched phenomenally the other day. So, uh, good thing for the Reds. But they lost two games against the Tigers, who aren't that great of a team, in the AL Central. So, looking forward to uh, how the Cubs play against the Reds tonight and the next four games in which that will happen. So, going back to the Chris Bryant discussion... um, I kind of want to discuss uh, his cold start, considering he is expected to be the leadoff hitter. As Anthony Rizzo, who once did hit leadoff and was once a successful leadoff hitter, says that it's scary to think the amount of contributions that Chris Bryant can um, bring as a leadoff hitter. But he's not bringing it right now. Um, But it'll be nice to see him go to Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati where he's seen the best of himself at one point. He hit three home runs and two doubles in a game. He went full house one time uh, at Great American Ballpark. So um, if you're going to see Chris Bryant heat up, he's going to heat up now. If he doesn't, that's when I'm going to start to worry about Chris Bryant. But nonetheless, I I have seen a great a great difference i'd say actually for the cubs in terms of the designated hitter spot um it has done nothing but better the cubs roster and there's really no hole in the cubs roster um i think the biggest concern not really concern i'd say because you got pieces to play with but the biggest question is who's playing second base and who's playing in the off field you already know javi Bies is playing shortstop And then if it's not Javi Baez, he's going to either put maybe uh, an an outfielder at the shortstop position. But I'm thinking maybe like... A Nico Horner can play shortstop. But Javi Vines is your shortstop. He's going to be your everyday shortstop. Uh, And then you got Nico Horner and Jason Kipnis to play with. Jason Kipnis already showing off that he can hit. Hitting a double in, um, I think, the second game in the series. So that was nice to see. I was looking forward to seeing how Jason Kipnis was going to perform on this Cubs team. A team that he rooted for as a child. He grew up, I believe, in Northbrook, which is about 15 minutes away from where I live. And... He grew up a Cubs fan. Of course, he was on the 2016 Indians team that lost to the Cubs in the World Series. As bittersweet as him losing, he get, he got to see his childhood team win the World Series, unfortunately, up against him. But now he gets to play for them and hopefully have a chance to win a World Series for the Chicago Cubs. But um, we'll see where that one goes. But nothing but encourage, encouragement from the first three games of the season for the Cubs. I think the biggest takeaway was the starting pitching. I can forget about you, Darvish. He had a sloppy start. That was honestly, from my end, expected. I would hope that you, Darvish, can uh, adjust, which he's known for as a pitcher. He's not very consistent. Um, A couple shows ago, I was talking about the Cubs' starting rotation, and one of the names that I named out was Kyle Hendricks. And I said, he's not the most consistent guy. Well, I think I'm wrong about that. I think you're going to look for Kyle Hendricks to be a more consistent guy, Considering he has the had the most consistent ERA in the past five years. I think it's been like sub four in the past five years for Kyle Hendricks. A guy who doesn't throw a fastball over 90 miles an hour. His fastball velocity averages around 88. That's a change up for most pitchers. So the fact of the matter is is Kyle Hendricks mixes his, his stuff up so well. He's so calm and composed in the mound. Nothing phases this guy. He doesn't care if he has a fastball under 90 miles an hour up against a guy like Christian Yelich, in which he struck out like two or three times. Christian Yelich, another guy who started off cold, even though he had a home run in game two. That's about it. I think that's the only hit he's had this season. He struck out three times against Tyler Chatwood. How do you strike out against Tyler Chatwood three times as a reigning MVP? I'm, I, I love Chatwood, and I'm going to get to him in a second because he had an unbelievable start yesterday, a start that went beyond many people's expectations. That's that's foremost. I want to begin with Kyle Hendricks here. He went nine innings pitched, gave up three hits, and the only three hits came out of the nine hole for the Brewers in Orlando Arceo, which is actually uh, history was made in that game. I don't think at any point um, in the modern era of baseball that – the 9-hole hitter was the nine hole hitter went 3-for-3 three three in the ballgame, and nobody else had a hit, which is basically the opposite of what you'd expect of a 9-hole hitter, um, which I find to be quite interesting. But it is Orlando Arce. He's a great baseball player. Speaking of Orlando Arce, when he got his first base hit, I really loved Anthony Rizzo giving him some hand sanitizer. Props to Anthony Rizzo for the hand sanitizer. Not just keeping himself... Um, sanitary, but keeping the ones who is trying to get out at first base sanitary, so that he doesn't have to feel unsafe. Tagging somebody out um, on a pickoff throw, but of course, Elander Arce being a fantastic base runner, I don't think that was possible. Uh, but is this? I, I find that funny. I found it kind of cute in a way because Anthony Rezo is that kind of human being. He's selfless. He's caring, and he's just a fun guy. And that's the guy I've known the past seven or eight years of him being a Chicago Cub. Uh, so, to continue with Cubs talk, uh, I wanted to get to Tyler Chatwood. Yesterday, pitched six innings on a very scorching hot day. Pitched six innings. believe gave up. I, he didn't give up a hit until the fifth inning. And then gave up three hits and was pulled, rightfully so, in the sixth. Gave up one and run. That's it. What a start by Tyler Chatwood, who's used to being a middle relief pitcher for the Cubs last year. Now adjusting to the rotation role, um, third, against a very strong lineup with the Milwaukee Brewers, who had a strong game the night before, scoring eight runs. And I, th- I really think Tyler Chatwood's performance yesterday really helped propel the Cubs offense to perform. That's my next point, is when, if you notice, when the Cubs get a win, they win. Off of great pitching, off of great momentum that is started by the pitchers, because they allow the Cubs to stay in the game. Because I, I feel like when I've seen this Cubs offensive lineup in the past three, two or three years, when they were have that when they have been gradually getting worse since their World Series win in 2016, I've noticed that the batters fall under more pressure when they're trailing in a game. I see more wins for the Cubs when they're, they have an early lead compared to just coming back from a three-run deficit. Obviously, statistically, that's supposed to be the case, but the Cubs have done that way more than any other team, most teams at least. Um, and when you're supposed to be a good team, when you're supposed to be producing more runs in a very potent offensive lineup that the Cubs have, a deep lineup, if you may say, you expect the best. And for Tyler Chatwood to have a great start yesterday, was vital for the Cubs' offensive success. Uh, And I hope that continues with John Lester tonight. You're going to definitely... What's funny is you're going to be listening to this podcast at like 9 o'clock tonight, and you're already going to know how John Lester performed or whatever, what happened. Maybe, for all I know, the season gets canceled because another team has 14 or more coronavirus cases, which is actually the next point I want to get to because we're um, running out of time here with baseball. I might go a little further than I expected, but that's okay because we're podcasting. Um... I wanna talk about what the news broke out that uh what news broke out this morning, uh revolving around the Miami Marlins. Uh fourteen people in the Marlins organization, uh, from player, I think it was like eight players and six coaches and staff member were tested positive. So obviously someone didn't know, obviously where someone was asymptomatic and um transferred all uh, something. Somebody wasn't following the right thing. And it ended up spreading within the organization, the Marlins organization. Uh, So that's scary. And it definitely puts the league on notice. It definitely um, backs. It definitely halts some plans. And what halted tonight was um, not just the Miami Marlins game, um, let me just check uh, who they were supposed to play tonight. I just want to make sure. Yeah, they were supposed to play the Baltimore Orioles, who miraculously beat the Boston Red Sox twice um, at Fenway Park. I don't know how that happened. Um, but And even the Miami Marlins pulled two away from the Philadelphia Phillies this past weekend with eight of their players testing positive with coronavirus, which means that the Philadelphia Phillies have to cancel their game against the New York Yankees tonight. Be- for for precautionary reasons, considering the Phillies just played a team that just had 14 positive cases, and they just played last night. So um, uh, let me just fact check the Yankees game. I think it's just canceled. I don't think they're gonna replay it, or I think it's postponed. So yeah, the Phillies game tonight's postponed, um, but it doesn't really affect anybody considering there's nobody supposed to be in attendance. Um, but that's interesting. So now, looking at the broader spectrum, with these cases now, um, begs the question, is it only a matter of time before the MLB cancels the season? That's everything running through my mind right now, and why that's running through my mind, well, I'm talking a lot of baseball, a lot of circumstantial conversation going on here in the past 15 minutes, and next thing you know, the baseball season gets canceled. Um... So that's what's running through my mind. And then all this time, planning for the baseball season, doing everything in preparation for it, done for nothing. That's... So having to follow the protocols is essential, considering this is the only sport that is running right now that the teams are required to still travel stadium to stadium. And that's a risk in itself. Like, today... The Cubs are going to Ohio, and Ohio right now is, I believe, is a hot spot right now. If you look at the coronavirus, new cases, statistics, and percentage, Ohio is in, like, the top 10 in terms of hot spots. So, that being said, I would consider baseball players are much more at risk than any other players in any other league. It was once basketball a couple weeks ago— but now since there's no positive cases in the NBA bubble, there should be no other reason why there should be positive cases if it's an NBA bubble. No one could come in. No one could come out with the exception of one player who decided to go get wings and got suspended for 10 days because he has to quarantine. <sighs> I just find that funny. I'll tell, I'll get more about into that in, in the basketball segment. Um, but as I'm concluding baseball here in and, and these cases, um, it, it's definitely disheartening. Um, I, I, I just, you know, can't. I just want to think of every single best possibility of making sure or assuring the safety of everyone involved, uh, especially in the Miami Marlins organization, the people who are surrounded by those who are just tested positive, the families, the friends who are just around them, or if anything. So it's just like, that's what I'm worried about as well. Um, And those are the circumstances that are to be considered if this MLB season has to cancel. Uh, There's no point of postponing. Um, You can't bring the baseball season into winter. So unless you play in a dome, which if you're playing on one... Satellite spot. I would consider that to be the better option, considering teams having to travel everywhere. That's I, I, a few weeks ago. I did a, a Money Mass Sports Talk episode talking about that. I was like, "Bring, bring it to Tropicana Field or Miami Marlins Park. Have like an American League team play at Tampa Bay, and then a National League team teams play in Miami. You know, uh, something like that." So. Teams don't have to travel all over the place But Miami can't really be a bubble When it's basically Party City 24-7 um, So with that being said I really really am a- a- Hoping for the best In all these positive cases going around the MLB um, I don't want Soto Tested positive before the season started And they were able to Recognize that so that's good um, but 14 cases for the Marlins that's, that, that number sh- jumps out too because obviously someone didn't notice that they had it and uh, they spread it and no blame to be put obviously if you're asymptomatic you don't know um, you're not Rudy Gobert who touches everything and every everyone in sight so um, <laughs> that's all I'm going to say um, the last thing I actually wanted to mention about baseball and you may have actually noticed it in the uh, audio that I played with the Wilson Contreras home run in fact Right now, I'm gonna play that audio again, and I want you to hear the fan, the crowd volume, like the, the the um makeshift crowd noise. I don't know how to feel about it. So here, let me play it. So listen to when Contreras hits the home run, and you kind of can kind of hear fans cheering in the background. Take a listen. Contreras launches, and it will get way out of here. Really and it's 6-1. See, I, I, I don't know how to feel about it. The, the the fake crowd noise. I'm listening to it on the radio, and I'm hearing muffled crowd behind... Oh, there it is! Oh, there it is! Like, I don't know how to feel about it. And, like, anytime a strike is thrown... You hear it? I don't know. Like, like maybe I should just sort of start using it for my radio show. <sighs> like, I, I am, I, um, I, I admire the effort with the crowd noise, and I admire the fact that they're trying to make it sound and feel like a regular ball game when, at the end of the day, it's not. So, in my opinion, since I don't really feel any better about the crowd noise, I don't really feel worse about it. It's not like it's cringeworthy. But if it's not making me feel better about the game, just what's the point of the fake crowd noise? Like, I want to hear the bat hit the ball. I want to hear the ball hit the mitt. And I want to hear the sliding around the bases, the base runners, and the natural sounds of baseball that you would hear more... Promptly, if you may say, without fans in attendance, yes, you can still, of course, hear it more promptly. The crowd noise isn't really overwhelming, but I just don't see the point of it. I just rather fully hear the game of baseball being played. You can hear the the players chirping at each other. the The second game of the series between the Cubs and Brewers got heated, and you can hear the reactions of, to that. So that's what I want to hear in the game. Um, but nonetheless. Uh, At the end of the day for me Baseball is back And it feels oh so good I've been working many long hours At Mariano's Deli in Arlington Heights If you need deli meats Come to me I will slice it for you Better than anybody can And I'm not joking I'm pretty good at slicing deli meats and cheeses Um, But that's not why I was telling you that. It's because every single time there's a Cubs game going on, I have my earbuds in on my right ear listening to the Cubs game. Like, (laughs) I'm dealing with customers at the counter, and they don't know it, but I'm just completely entranced with what's going on in the Cubs game. I could care less if someone needs a half a pound of salami. I care whether or not Hanty DeRizzo is going to hit a home run in this at bat. So... Um, that's just baseball for me it's just so good to have it back Like to have that list being put into my ear during work made me so happy to the point where I didn't care about being mad at work and that was so glorious <sighs> so it's just basking in glory of baseball being back watch it be cancelled tomorrow <laughs> uh, or at least by next show I'm gonna be like sitting in front of the mic next year after doing a 20 minute baseball segment the week before saying where did that freaking go (laughs) that would suck so much Um, but embrace it while you have it folks if baseball season is going to be a week or two weeks at least enjoy it while you have it Um, so that's what I'm going to say uh but most importantly making sure everyone's healthy all the players are doing good that's the top priority so if the baseball season does have to end up canceling which i doubt it will um it'll only be for the best reasons of course but uh i'm not raising my expectations too high now with baseball season because games are starting to get canceled already through three or four games in the season and if that keeps happening then what's the point this is Noah Festenstein with Minute Sports Talk. I have a lot to go here, still on the show, and that revolves. I'm gonna do. I might do a little bit of hockey, but I don't think I'm gonna get into hockey as much as I'm gonna be basketball. I want to get into what happened with that player who left the bubble and has to quarantine for ten days. Um, also some exhibition action going on. Some notables in that the WNBA season just started, uh, so that's nice. You got to see Sabrina starting to play. Um, that I mean. Only college player to score triple digits in the main statistics of basketball: assists, deals, blocks, points, etc. So, like, you look at those stats and say, "this, this, this girl is gonna, this girl gonna perform in the league." So, she's doing that already. You also got other NBA stuff to talk about. So, uh, get into that and much more here on Monday Night Sports Talk, the 177th edition of such. I'm going to take a break myself, but uh, for you, we'll be back in literally a second. Stick around. Welcome back to Monday Mana Sports Talk. It is your host, Noah Festenstein, bringing you back into this one, the 177th edition of Monday Mass Sports Talk. Bringing me into this next segment is Trap Queen, Betty Wop, the Craig That Remix. So let's get it going. All right, all right, all right. Let's start it off with some basketball. Cause this song reminds me of what just happened this past weekend. Well, long story short, if you don't stay in the bubble, you have to be in a smaller bubble. At least in the times that we live in right now with the coronavirus pandemic still growing, if you may say, and still a big deal. Uh, And that's what the NBA has taken into consideration Being in the bubble of sorts In Orlando, Florida Um, This past Month Has been really good As uh, At first there were some cases in the NBA And now there's zero cases In the bubble But In the case of Clippers Player Lou Williams He apparently had to go Out of the bubble And you know where to the strip club and, the go. and that's why I said that song reminds me of what just happened this past weekend with Lou Williams. And he, like I just said, got a little bit bored and went out to Atlanta, Atlanta to go to a strip club. Uh, so the story goes that uh, Lou Williams obviously knows that he can't leave the bubble and if you do, you have to serve a 10-day quarantine. Um, so the, uh, on Sunday, three days after, um, Lou Williams was photographed by Jack Harlow, who is a rapper, um, joins him at an Atlanta strip club, um, and realizing that he shouldn't be taking an Instagram story of Lou Williams, deleted it right away off of his Instagram, And then Williams, after being asked about that Instagram post, said that this was an old pic of me and Lou. I was just remembering it because I miss him. Actually, that was um, Harlow's quotes. So Jack Harlow, the rapper, quoted that that was an old picture of me and Lou, and he was just reminiscing because he missed him. Of course, that was a lie. And if it was Lou Williams who made that lie, that would have been a different story. Um, But, of course... Trying to make up for his mistake, Harlow had to make up with it for with a very, very uh, weak quote. Because in that photo, you can easily tell that Williams is in his NBA mask that was given to him on the Orlando bubble. In the Orlando bubble, that everyone is given, everyone has the same mask. So, yep, yeah, that's it. That's the story goes. He now has to serve a 10-day quarantine, which uh, includes a couple games that he has to miss. And being that the Clippers have a chance in this postseason run, that's a big miss. Uh, Lou Williams is a good player, so you don't want to do that. But um, it really makes you question the decision-making for Lou Williams. Um, So according to some sources, Williams told NBA investigators that he uh, attended a viewing for Paul G. Williams which uh, uh, on Thursday, which was the day he got caught... What was supposed to happen at around 6 o'clock PM and then he would have to go to Magic City which is around Atlanta for dinner um, so that's how the story goes and um, now being caught with this has to serve that quarantine which isn't fun he has to be alone and he said quote ask any of my teammates what's my favorite restaurant in Atlanta ain't nobody partying chill out, but the end of the story is that he's in Atlanta, at a strip club, at a restaurant outside the bubble, in which his contract states that he cannot be outside the bubble, he had a choice he didn't have to play this season not all NBA players had to play this season, but yet Lou Williams decided to go out and break the rules Um, which is, in my eyes, for a professional basketball player who's being paid nearly millions it's very irresponsible, Also, what I think is irresponsible is his reactions on um, social media, saying, oh, this is not a big deal. I don't understand why uh, going out to a strip club trying to have fun um, constitutes me having to miss a couple games. Well, it's not a game suspension. You're not suspended from games. You have to buy your contract, buy NBA expectations to serve a 10-day which just so happens to be depleting two games out of your season. Um, That being said, uh, I want to kind of say a quote that Lou Williams made. Um, He says, quote, getting hot wings during a pandemic isn't as big a deal as people think. So he's told many people who's doubted him to shut up and to just let it go. I think he's in denial. I think Lou Willans is in a little bit of denial here. But um, this kind of reminds me of the time, times at least, (laughs) plural, um, when you like call out of work sick or something and you're not sick and you lie about being sick and then you end up accidentally posting something on your story or whatever where your coworkers follow you and then say, oh, crap, they saw me outside at a beach. And I'm not sick, and I'm missing work because I'm at a beach or something. Not saying that I did that. I've n- I, I ask any of my coworkers. I never call in sick. I haven't called in sick in years. Um, but I'm just saying remind- a <laughs> Please don't think I'm a bad worker. I've never done that. Uh, it just reminds me of that. Like like Lou Williams got caught because he was on an Instagram story, and he screwed up. He he done he done effed up. I'm telling you. Lou Williams, I'm sorry, man. I can't see you as a professional when you're supposed to follow laws as a basketball player. I understand you get bored. I understand that when times times get tough, the tough gets going. And especially if you have a hankering to go to a strip club, I've never had that before. But I understand if you have it, you have it. And you want to go, you go. But... uh, you, you you have to really understand the implications and the implications at this point has having to serve a 10-day quarantine. I don't think Lou Williams has coronavirus. I don't think anyone thinks it, but the protocol states you have to quarantine for 10 days. Now, I will say, if he does test negative, what's the point of quarantining him if he tests negative? So, um, that's my take on that. Lou Williams, don't be... Don't be a dumbass again, because this is going to happen. Don't, don't, no NBA players. To all NBA players, don't be a dumbass. This reminds me of also um, if I ever get into UFC discussion. Remember when the UFC did the Ultimate Fighter, which is kind of like a season of like fighters getting together. It's like a reality TV show where fighters get together and they're in a house together. They they have to live together. They can't they can't leave the house. And I remember, I think it was Forrest Griffin um, who was on The Ultimate Fighter. He left the house to get beer and he was suspended from... He was literally suspended from The Ultimate Fighter for a little bit because he just went out to get beer. So that reminds me of the time... This this whole situation reminds me of that because I remember watching The Ultimate Fighter and that happening and that Forrest Griffin uh, fight. Um, it, It was crazy. It was crazy times, but... I could save that stuff for UFC talk later. Um, but, yeah, so that's the Lou Williams situation. Besides all of that, the NBA starting up uh, in just the next couple days. Really excited to see the last eight games of the regular season come into fruition, and then the NBA playoffs, of course, to resume um, some entertainment in the basketball world. So that's going to be nice. I'm excited, uh, and we'll see where it goes. I'll, I'll make more basketball-orientated predictions next week um, in terms of playoffs I'll probably bring out like I, I need I need to watch a couple games here I like the setup it, um, that the, that the NBA has for the one arena um, games it's very clean obviously no one has uh covid so there's no and, and social distancing practices are being put towards sitting on the bench and everything. And I like the arena setup. It's cool. It got TVs all around, scoreboard. You got cool camera angles now that you would never really get in a normal arena. So like the viewing experience for watching basketball has gone better in a way. And I admire that. So that being said, hopefully that be, that gets uh, implemented into hockey, which is where I'm briefly going to get into now. Um, and I hope that When the season continues up in Edmonton and in Toronto, um, which I like because I like it's in Canada, no one has to come back to the United States. I think once players leave their camps, which I think is literally in the next couple days, to go to their respective hub cities, Toronto or Edmonton, that they stay up in Canada and not leave. Because you have to make sure you test negative before going into another country um, when it revolves around professional sports. Uh, So the Blackhawks, of course, have to go to Edmonton, play the Oilers in a potential five-game series, and hopefully they come out on top. The first game is, I believe, on Saturday. Yeah, Saturday, August 1st. Super, super super-duper excited for that. Um, At least it gets some Blackhawks hockey to... Um, enjoy. Hopefully, I don't have to enjoy a sweep against the Blackhawks, but I really don't think the Blackhawks are going to make it up against the Oilers. If they do, I'd love to see it, but my prediction as a sports analyst says they're not going to do it. The Blackhawks aren't geared enough. Brent Seabrick's not even going to be playing. Like, I don't think the Blackhawks... I think they'll scave out maybe one win against the Oilers, but that's it. I think they're going to lose 3-1 in that series. So that's starting up on Saturday, and then we can continue the Blackhawks discussion next week. So I'll get more in-depth in Blackhawks discussion next week as they are now playing. I'm excited to see how Corey Cropper performs because now since he – a couple weeks ago when I was talking about him, uh, he was not fit to practice – um, but now he is, and he's been making unbelievable saves. So that is a very good sign for the Blackhawks um, in terms of goalkeeping. You also got Malcolm Sub- Subban to back him up on that as well. Um, yeah, like I was saying, the hockey setup. Really excited to see what kind of uh, angles are going to be put into place, what kind of new uh, formatting, broadcasting is going to do, and who's going to do the broadcasts. I know NBC Sports is going to do some. Maybe I don't think ESPN is willing to do hockey. Yeah. Um, but i'm I'm looking forward to seeing how that's gonna turn out uh respectively because of of this new hockey format in the playoffs but with that said uh that's it for hockey um and basketball I, I mean there's nothing really else to say uh about it um but yeah. I'm going to do a very quick segment, next segment. It's going to be kind of like a rapid-fire segment. Remember, um, if anyone is an old-time listener of Money Mass Sports Talk, back at the early days of Radio Paul Sports, I did a segment called the Whip segment. That segment's no more, but it's going to be kind of like the Whip segment. Uh, there's no, there's not going to be a Whip a sound effect. There's just going to be me talking about random stuff. I'm going to get into some Premier League because that just ended. And Liverpool are, of course, the champions, as expected. Um, and then I want to talk about this Mike Tyson fight against uh, Roy Jones Jr. That's going to be... Whew. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm sorry. That's that's just nothing but excitement there. That's probably the best news I've heard in 2020 so far is Mike Tyson coming back. So uh, we'll get into that and more coming back here in Money Mass Sports Talk. Be back in just a second, so stick around. Welcome back to Monday Madness Sports Talk. It is your host, Noah Festenstein bringing you back into this one in my basement in Action Heights, Arlington Heights, Illinois. Bringing me into this next segment is One Republic Counting Stars, the Air Mile and Odd Cube Remix. Let's get into it here. It's a mixed segment here talking about the side stories and sports, whatever is on my mind. So let's get to it. I know one person who will be counting stars, and I think that will be Roy Jones Jr. In an exhibition fight that will go down, I believe, in September. I hope in September. The return of Mike Tyson. Oh boy, oh boy. I am so excited. You have no idea. I'm getting so giddy talking about it. And I'm super excited to talk about it here on the show today. Uh, Mike Tyson. The last time he fought was in 2005, and that was a loss for him. And now he's coming back here in 2020. If you follow sports, I know you've seen the videos. I know you've been amped up just as much as I have because Mike Tyson looks dangerous. Absolutely dangerous. Like, there's not a guy... Like, I I wouldn't even want to fight Mike Tyson right now. I wouldn't. No one should want to fight Mike Tyson right now. He's so explosive. He looks in shape. And he looks confident. And he wants to, he looks like he's aching to get back into the boxing ring. At 54 years old. I know you can't really do as much at 54 years old. But when you say that this guy looks dangerous, he damn well is dangerous. And we know it. We all know it. Um, we've seen the videos. There's no lie to it. Um, and you got Roy, Roy Jones Jr. also coming back. But I think he's gonna get knocked out straight up in the fourth round. That's my prediction. All that aside, you gotta admire the fact that both of these fighters are making a comeback. And all I'll props out to Roy Jones Jr. who knows that this is a dangerous fight for him. Um, you also got other fights on this card. Most notably... <laughs> Which caught my mind right away, Nate Robinson against Jake Paul. Jake Paul, you know him as a YouTuber, you know him. I don't. I'm not as much in that category of interests, but you know, you gotta know who Jake Paul is. If you don't know that Jake Paul is actually a good boxer, because he actually on national television. On the DAZN network about five months ago, he knocked out in the first round and and, and Gibb. So I don't know who that guy is, but apparently he's a boxer, and Jake Paul beat him in the first round, and now he's fighting Nate Robinson. So <laughs> we'll see. It's, it's a card. I mean, this is a paper worthy. Like those two fights are paper pay per view worthy. I don't care if they're just eight rounds. I'm there. I'm there. I'm all there for it. I mean, I don't blame it that it's only eight rounds, considering Mike Tyson and Roy, Roy Jones Jr. aren't really conditioned for a twelve round fight. Um, but regardless, the comeback is real, folks. Mike Tyson, let's go! Let's go! Oh man, I don't think I can. I mean. I know a lot of UFC fights are coming up, especially the Daniel Cormier and State B.A. Miocic, and I think just announced was the Adesanya and Paulo Costa fight. So, like, those are great fights I'm looking forward to. But nothing compared to what is about to go down. That I hope in September. I hope this is not, like, a hoax or anything. Because if this is a hoax, I am going to give someone the business. Because this better be real. Oh, man. And I know I'm going to be watching it with some friends. Uh... (laughs) I was watching the fight night this past Saturday night for UFC, and one of my friends pointed out, like, you know we're hosting the Mike Tyson here, right? We, you know I don't care if it's a pay-per-view card. We're hosting it here. And I'm like, yeah, you are. I ain't hosting this kind of fight. I remember hosting the Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather fight uh, a, a few years back. And I had, like, tw- I was supposed to originally have, like, only, like, seven people at my house. I had 20 people at my house. And... I, I First of all, I profited from the pay-per-view. It was like a $10 cover charge. And I got like $200 for a fight that was $100. So I basically made $100 that night and watched a pretty fun fight between Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather. So if you want a, a little hustle there, if you don't know how to do that, host host a fight night. You can make some money. Tips from Noah, if you may say. Um, and it's not... Hey, hey. Cover chargers work, but if you're able to stream it for free, stream it for free, by all means. Um, But, hey, I got some tips and tricks from your good friend Noah, here of my past sports talk. Um, So, uh, let's let's switch gears heavily from boxing to soccer. Because today, or at least this past weekend... Uh, was the official end of this season's Premier League in England, and you know I am a really big Manchester United fan. I hold it dear in my heart, even though I'm literally at the moment wearing a Chelsea jersey because my mom went to London with my sister a couple years back. They know I love soccer in, in, in England. They just didn't know how bad of a Manchester United fan I am. And they so decide to bring me back a Chelsea jersey instead of a Manchester United jersey. But, better of the doubt, for this jersey that I'm wearing right now is pretty darn comfortable. Which is why I'm wearing it. And Chelsea also made the Champions League alongside Manchester United. And you know what that means? If Manchester United wins, you know what song I'm going to play. Oh yes. So, I ask you, the listener, to join me in a very proud moment for Manchester United. If you have never heard this song before, you have never lived life. I'm telling you. Glory, glory. I love it. Woo. So, now we got that out of the way. Very happy to say that Manchester United is back in the Champions League for the first time in, like, what, three years? Uh, They were in the hunts in the past couple years in the Premier League as the top four to five seeded teams make the Champions League, depending on the fifth seed's performance, I believe, or how many teams would be qualifying for that year. It's very dependent in a lot of circumstances. But regardless... Manchester United is in the Premier League alongside, officially as the season has concluded, um, these teams. Of course, the winners, Liverpool, who won by just a boatload of points. They got 99 points in the season with a record of 32 wins, 3 draws, and 3 losses. So hats off to Liverpool for a fantastic season. You know, say say less. I mean, you, you have a great season like that. You win the Premier League. Um, the best thing that you could be rewarded with is a trip to the Champions League. Uh, next up is Manchester City, the foes from across town. As much as I don't like them, welcome back to the Champions League. They, they had 81 points. As long as they win the Premier League, I'm A-OK with that. Uh, and then, third place, Manchester United. The last time I spoke with you about the Premier League, the Ma- Manchester United was, I believe, fifth in the standings. I was saying, if they can stay fifth for a little bit, they can, but then Manchester United went on a 14-game unbeaten streak and is at this point. So they ended the season with 18 wins, 12 draws, and 8 losses. The early 8 losses that they had during, um, before that 14-game unbeaten streak um, was, I think, the turning point of the season and, of course, with a lot of draws that Manchester United had. They have the most draws out, out of every single Champions League qualifier. Uh, Manchester City had 3, Liverpool had 3. Chelsea is the next team behind Manchester United, who had six draws the end of the season with a 20-win, six six draws, 12 losses, four more losses than the Manchester United. Um, so, yeah, those are your Champions League uh, qualifiers from the Premier League. Of course, you got the Bundesliga. Not the Bundesliga, what I'm uh, talking about. Yeah, Bundesliga. I'm sorry. I'm being stupid. Bundesliga. Um, you got the Italian league, Italian Premier League, uh, Spain of course La Liga, and all that good stuff. So, lots to look forward to for this upcoming Champions League season next year. Um, but with that being said, that's that's Premier League, that's soccer. Um, also in Chicago news, um, the Chicago Fire got eliminated by uh, who, who? Who was it? Vancouver Whitecaps, I think. I don't know. I wasn't really paying attention to the MLS tournament. I know that's going on. I just didn't think that you knew that was going on. I don't know. I don't know if anyone follows the MLS during its comeback stages, but uh, that's just me not saying it's a bad tournament. It's just... Not your normal season, if you may say. So I'm just going to discount this season for the Chicago Fire in the MLS. But with that being said, I think that's good for this segment. I got one more segment coming up, and that is, of course, your favorite segments. Most of your favorite segments, at least I know. It's one of my favorite segments. It's the UFC segment talking all you need in MMA and UFC coming up right quick. Going to have to talk about Fight Islands, the four fight events that happen at Fight Island. I'm going to talk to you about my personal highlights and thoughts about what's come next in the UFC. So stick around. Welcome back. My name is Sports Talk. It is your host, Noah and Scene, bringing you back into this last segment of the day with Charlie XCX. Break the rules, the Nightcore version. So let's get it going here with some UFC MMA. Going to talk some Fight Island, which was from July 11th to the 25th. And today, being the 27th, it is now officially over. Um, So a full two weeks worth of events, and that consisted of four total events. Um, So let's talk about it. Any highlights? Any takeaways from Fight Island? Well, um, honestly, I don't say this a lot about UFC events, or at least a slew of UFC events. There's never really a time where like there's four or five UFC events that are bad in a row. But honestly, all of the marketing, uh, social media anticipation of Fight Island, it didn't feel like Fight Island. It didn't. Like, I felt like I was teased a bit with the islands part of it. Like, yeah, it's nice. You're fighting on an island. You're away from all of the coronavirus. But I thought you were going to fight on the beach. <laughs> um, that was quickly that, that idea was quickly silenced by Dana White, um, who was on an Instagram live feed that I was watching in between fights at UFC 251, stating that it would be too hard to host fights outside considering the heat, considering the humidity, and when you're a fighter fighting all out for 15 minutes or 25 minutes. It's hard to do that in pure heat. Also, in darkness, also, weather is not always, uh, um... uh, Like, it's not always a guarantee that it's gonna be good weather. So, obviously, fights need to be taken inside. I wasn't surprised about that. But what I'm not really that thrilled about was the fact that this was all hyped up the way it was. It was hyped up to the point where, you know, they're taking pictures of the Octagon on the beach. And the Octagon on the beach was like, your model... You're like mannequin model standing in front of the window luring trying to lure you to come into the store That's exactly what that octagon was meant to be outside and maybe for a little bit of practice But everything that UFC did for their social media was taking pictures of that octagon outside Making it seem like oh wow this is a this is an island this is a fight this is where fights are gonna happen Uh Okay are, 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 are they not outside um, you know uh, Carlos the Liquid Terminator Rodriguez, he calls into this show a bunch um, I remember talking to him about Fight Island and I, I talked to him before UFC 251 the first event um, and I was saying you know that the fights are being taken place inside right Carlos he's like no way are you serious this is not Fight Island this is, this is a bunch of uh, baloney like what's going on that's exactly me on the inside. And that was actually exactly me on the inside throughout the entirety of all of these events that happened. There were great fights. There great cards all over the place. But with those great cards comes the responsibility of meeting expectations. And I don't think any of these cards that happened in Fight Island met expectations for one. A lot of these fights that were um, very highly anticipated were Weren't that great fights. The Hori masato Kamara Usman fight, that was a boring fight. I was super excited for that. I wrote blogs about that fight, and I was let down. Like, I don't want to watch a guy stomp on somebody's foot for 25 minutes straight or clinch. No! And... Holloway getting stripped of his title when I thought he really won the fight, but I did give good reason in my previous episode, episode 176, as to why... Volkanovski won that fight so according to the scoring and how I saw the fight I saw Volkanovski won but everybody's reaction about Holloway getting robbed and everything that's not what you want coming out of that event is someone saying continuously Holloway got robbed I think he got robbed in some aspects but I don't think he won the fight however I think with all of the commotion and the response happening of it makes it a very controversial fight and not in a good way um the Peter jan Jose Aldo fight, that was okay. Um, and then the other championship fight that took place in a different event the week after that, the Joseph Benavidez fight and the davidson Figueredo fight. That happened in the, that... that It was a complete show of dominance by Figueredo. Like, no fight given by Benavidez. It wasn't even a good fight. It, hap- it ended in the first round. And nobody even... I Like, to my knowledge of being a UFC fan, none of my UFC fans are that fond of Figueredo, or I don't think many people are. Uh, Like, heck Henry Cejudo, the previous champion that Vacated the belt a few weeks back At UFC 249 Um He he laughed at that fight Saying, I could take any of these bozos And I think he can I honestly think he can wipe the floor with Figueredo if he comes back, which I Honestly doubt he will Um, Speaking of comebacks, Alexander Gustafson made a comeback at Heavyweight, he came from Light heavyweight at 205 Pounds, And he announced I remember covering this on the radio show And playing the audio of it Is that Alexander Govson announced retirement uh, When he lost against Anthony Smith And then he comes back at heavyweight Thinking that he's got a chance at heavyweight Against former champion Probably the worst heavyweight champion of all times In my eyes at least Fabrizio Verdum, who is a submission specialist. I'll give him that for a heavyweight. He's very good at submitting. And that's what he did to Alexander Gustafsson. Gustafsson didn't really do anything in that fight when all I wanted to anticipate was a comeback performance by Alexander Gustafsson, and I got nothing of that. So, that was boring, this past fight. The Darren uh, Till and uh, Robert Whittaker fight, I was hoping would save the card, save the entire island. That didn't work. It was just a whole 25 minutes of them going back and forth. Yes, the first three rounds, that was a like scrap. That was a good fight. I thought it was a good competitive fight. Just, But it just wasn't that exciting. I wasn't excited by many of these fights. Like when I was watching two, uh, UFC 250. UFC 250, I liked that event compar- compared to all the events on Fight Island combined. Because you had that Cody Garbrandt awesome knockout. Um... And then you you got Sean O'Malley who that a uh, walk off knockout. Uh, it's just like those are the fights that I like to see, like those crazy endings. Um, I didn't get a lot. I, I didn't get a lot out of uh, Fight Island. I really didn't. Okay, so let's let, let's let let let's take a breath here. Okay, I got all. I just mentioned to you big time about Fight Island. And I think I'm calm now. Um, so let's let let us go back to the actual fights that I admired. Okay, we'll go back to 251. We already talked about the championship fights. I enjoyed that women's strawweight fight by between Jessica Andrade and Rose Nunez. If I had to take one really good thing out of that event is the comeback performance of Rosa Munoz. I'm really excited to see her possibly fight Wally Zhang uh, for the women's strawweight belt. Uh, I think that'll be a great fight, especially for her, Nama She's looking to come back, and she's a whole different fighter. You could tell the way she fought against Jessica Andrade in which she lost the first time they, they met up. Uh, and then UFC fight night 172 it was a Wednesday night fight night uh, it was main event Calvin Kassar and Dan Ige I only got to catch that last fight because I was doing something I wasn't I think I was working um, you had a good fight between Jimmy Rivera and Cody Stamann, Tim Elliott and Ryan Benoit. And that's it that's really it um those were all the notable fights that happened, and they weren't that great fights. Except for the, I'll give it this. The Calvin Guitar and Dan Ige fight was pretty entertaining. It was a five-round decision for uh, a main event on a Wednesday night for it to go all five rounds like that in a competitive fight. Honestly, I can't believe I'm saying this. I thought this was going to be the worst main event, but it ended up being the best main event of the week, of the two weeks that was Fight Island. Honestly, this featherweight main event between Calvin Guitar and Dan Ige, it was competitive the whole way through, and I enjoyed it. Um, there wasn't like the uh, the fight between Figueredo and Benavides, which is the which was three days after that. Um, I think the highlight of that night was the co-main event between Jack Romanson and Calvin Gaslam at middleweight. Uh, Jack Hermanson in the first round, early first round or late first round, sorry, submits Calvin Gaslam, and I think that was exactly what's supposed to happen because I think Jack Hermanson deserves a chance at a top five opponent. So. I'm excited about that. Also, you saw the comeback of Ariane Lipsky against Luana Carolina. Hold on, I got a sneeze. <sighs> <sighs> oh, sorry about that, if that scared you. Sometimes my sneezes do that. Anyways, continuing on, uh, we got lightweight fight between Mark Dykis and Rafael Fiziev. That was a fantastic fight. Um, I, 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 I remember watching the replay of that and how competitive it was. Um, and it was a three-round three, round fi- uh, three round decision, fi- Fiziev, but I don't think the stock lowered for any of those two fighters, so that was good. Um, and then the last fight night, this past weekend, we had the Robert Whitaker-Darren Terra fight, and then the light heavyweight co-main between Mauricio, um, between Rua and, I don't know how to pronounce this name, God bless me, uh, Antonio Rosario Nogueira. I think I did pretty good. And then, of course, like I mentioned, the Fabrizio Verdum and Alexander Gustafson fight. We also saw the Street Women's drawway fight between Carla Esparza and Marina Rodriguez. And, uh, yeah, that's really it. Also, welterweight uh, undefeated, at Chimiav versus McKee. Chimiav, an easy win in round one uh, by TKO. So I'm looking forward to what that kid does in the future. Okay. So, let's uh, forget about what just happened at Five Islands. Hopefully, if they do that again, it will be better results uh, forthcoming. Ugh. Man, I just burped out my roast beef sandwich that I just had from Johnny's Beef. If you, anyone knows Johnny's Beef in Arlington Heights, that place is the bomb. The fries aren't that great. I I just think the beef sandwiches are best. That's why they call it Johnny's Beef. Um before I go anywhere else in sports, let me go on my Italian beef sandwich uh, sandwich tangent. Like, if you don't like if you don't like Italian beef sandwiches, get off my show right now. I'm just kidding. You can you listen to my show if you like Italian beef sandwich, but I will judge you hard and I will force you, not force you, that that sounds a little too violent. I will heavily encourage you to eat Italian beef sandwich if you do not like it. I will heavily judge you. Um, okay, that was my Italian debut tangent. Let's go back to UFC, looking into the future of uh, um, what's happening in the next couple weeks. On Saturday, we got, we're got we back at the UFC Apex. Thank goodness. I don't have to worry about a freaking island. Um, middleweight main event, Derek Brenson against Edmund Shabazian. It was originally supposed to be um, a fight with Holly Holm. I forgot who she was fighting, um, but I think that got canceled. And then I got a women's flyweight fight between Joanne Calderwood and Jennifer Meyer. That's a good fight. And then a good fight at welterweight between Vicente Luque and Randy Brown. I'm actually looking forward to that fight the most out of any fight on this card. But also this middleweight main event could have heavy implications. I think the winner of this fight could either fight Jack Hermanson or a top seven contender. I don't know. It, it really depends on how that fight goes. Uh, the week following that just got announced today, actually. I didn't think there was going to be an event prior to UFC 252, but a week prior is going to be at the UFC Apex. It's going to be a heavyweight main event between Derek Lewis and Alexei Olenek, which means, with no other fights announced, there's other fights to be announced for that card, which I'm looking forward to. As much as it's a fight night, um, we got some fights. So Derek Lewis and Alexei Olenek, um, you got to root for that Black Beast because his balls are always hot. Derek, why'd you take your pants off? My balls was hot. I understand. So yeah, that's something to look forward to. Hopefully a win for Derek Lewis would constitute another amazing post-fight interview. So that is something to look forward to. And then, of course, following week, you got UFC 252, which is Stipe Miocic and Daniel Cormier, the trilogy fight, which I think is arguably the most important heavyweight fight of all time. Uh, Arguably, I'm not saying is But there has been some very notable Heavyweight fights in history that uh, Could also be the Lewis, My balls was hot moment, who knows (laughs) Uh, But you got another heavyweight Co-main event in that one, which is a really good Fight between Junior Dos Santos and Jardino Rosenstrike. Rosenstrike, of course though Coming off of his brutal loss Against Francis Ngannou Which ended very violently Um, So yeah That's it that's, I mean, I got a lot of time to talk about those fights in the future, so I'll leave it to that. But otherwise, Fight Island, you didn't meet expectations as the islands part of the fight name. The Fight Island, the island part didn't work out. The fights barely worked out. So as a whole, let me grade the Fight Island events, slew of events. I'm going to grade you minus. C-. I think that's fair. See, I don't want to fail you. I want you to pass. I want you to learn through this but Fight island gets a C minus for me. That's that's all I'm going to say. Also, I think the uh, element that it was in Abu Dhabi and the time change was different and everything like that and it was weird for them to do it in the morning or I don't even know what that was like. Like it was just so weird because I remember um, when Dustin Poirier fought what was it? It was Khabib Nurmagomedov and that was at like two o'clock in the afternoon for us, but now ever since the Vaude Island came into fruition, this has been regular time. Which so just that was weird. All right, so we've reached the finish line of today's show. What a great show it was! Um, sorry again, I didn't do a show last week. I know you missed me, but um, I-, I know as a fair warning, shows each week is not a guarantee. But every single Monday is anticipation for a new show um, I'm working 40 hours a week and that's very hefty in a way for me And I'm on my feet all the time and I'm doing other things and job searching trying to get out of the deli not working 40 hours a week on my feet so like things are all over the place since I graduated so I'm just making sure I find the time and the right mindset to make sure that this show is being ran the best way possible um, and I, I truly believe that it is and I'm really satisfied with how it's going so far beyond college radio and I miss college radio I miss uh, having this on the airwaves on 88.3 FM and uh, in uh, studio at Radio Paul Sports I mean that was amazing and now I'm doing this independently and I'm very confident with how this is going so far so I hope that you are enjoying it as well this has been the 177th edition of Monday Mana Sports Talk. I love you so much, and I will see you around. Take care. Why'd you take your pants off? My balls was hot. I understand.